Welcome to Make Ceremony Matter More, where life cycle celebrants talk shop. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. And now your host, Cindy Neely Spence. Today we welcome Kim Kirkley, life cycle celebrant serving the New York City area. Kim, you have an impressive tally of celebrant ceremonies, having worked with over 650 families to perform wedding, family, and funeral ceremonies. What drew you to celebrancy as a profession? Well, Cindy, thanks for having me here. I have to say I was a very unhappy lawyer. I was looking to do something more meaningful, something that used my best skills, and I was temping. And I met someone who had just gotten married. She wasn't that happy with her wedding ceremony and passing. We said there should be people out there who give other people the ceremonies that they really want with a lot of professionalism and no judgment. And then a few weeks later, uh, this woman found an ad in her local New Jersey newspaper for people with a background in the humanities who want a rewarding vocation, giving other people the ceremonies that they really want. And she handed it to me like it was gilded, and I received it that same way. And I instantly knew that it was for me. I knew that I could make a living doing this kind of work. And I, as I help my clients become more authentic, more of themselves, as they go through their rites of passage, I became happier and more of myself. So it's just been a, an incredible gift for me. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you work primarily in the New York City area, and um, New York City has been so often referred to as America's true melting pot. Serving the diversity of clients in this area has provided you with a wonderful opportunity to create ceremonies that weave together cultural, religious, and social backgrounds. You must have found that very interesting. Oh, very interesting. And sometimes I feel like I get to travel the world, even though I don't leave New York City for most of my ceremonies. There's the Eastern European man who um, uh, emigrated to the United States with his wife while they were in their 40s. And their chief reason for moving to the United States was because at 40, he was told to just stop working. And he'd worked all his life. And um, work was very important to him and his identity. So he and his wife and his daughter moved here, created a whole new life, and really um, came down a peg or two with the type of work that they had to do. But they developed this incredible love for the United States. And at the same time, they maintained their their, um, non-religious background. And so when he died, his wife, who'd been his wife since they were teenagers, was crestfallen, of course, and at a loss as to who would perform the ceremony because they wanted to be who they really were and not have any religion in the ceremony. So I got to talk about what a great country this is instead of, um, and so that was really an interesting viewpoint of a ceremony. Um, because we really hinged it on how much America had given to him and how they had a new beginning here in this land that they loved. And uh, then there's also the couple who grew up in Brooklyn, kind of near where I lived at the time, and moved out to Long Island. And so we talked about how much Brooklyn meant to them 
and their memories of roller skating down the street, Bergen Street, the street that I lived on at the same at the time. And then we sent him off to the big poker game in the sky. So we found, yeah, we find a way to um, honor people's beliefs and help them to make the transition in a way that is authentically theirs. And it sounds like those those two individuals you speak of were very grateful for being where they were in their lives and being in America. Well, you know, it's funny. The guy who grew up in Brooklyn, uh, he was a very gruff man. And his daughter's kind of delighted in the fact that we talked about how he was a man of very few words, would go down into the basement when company came. But um, so it was really important to them that we not pretend that he was anything other than who he was. And um, so, yeah, so they were great in their family's eyes. And that's the lens that we use to commemorate their lives. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, how did these clients find you? A couple of ways. So I do have a website, LifeStoryFuneralNYC.com. And also because as a celebrant, I've kind of become a member of the family or a member of a community. Sometimes that I had the first, uh, one of the first funerals I did, I had performed the uh, deceased sister's wedding. And one of her dying wishes was that I would do her funeral because uh, she was dying of cancer. So she had some idea that that was happening. And so I was, of course, incredibly honored. And just I had shared such a remarkable moment with them when we did that personalized wedding ceremony. It was only logical for them to call me to do a personalized funeral ceremony. So you're coming across as their family ceremony specialist when you're getting involved with these families for their weddings or family ceremonies or funerals. That's wonderful. Oh, yes, and it doesn't end there. I get invitations to barbecues. I do baby welcomings. And we'll also celebrate maybe it's just a milestone event. Okay. Now, do you have any other ceremonies you can share with us that you've done as a ceremony where you really dealt with the diversity of the New York City area? Well, yes. There was an, a woman who lived into her, well, there are two women who lived into their 90s. There's one of whom who was a breast cancer survivor back in the 60s. And she was uh, a no-nonsense kind of woman, very controlled. And when she uh, survived breast cancer, she had a radical mastectomy back when it was really, um, you know, all, not quite barbaric, but but bear with me. But she created this amazing organization that would help women back in the 60s when, you know, cancer was a, often thought of as a death sentence. She would wear her best clothes, put on her prosthesis, and go visit these women in the hospital and let them know that you could still look great after breast cancer. And she'd help them to do their exercises so that they could um, get back the full range of movement in the affected arm. And, uh, yeah, and so we, so she was a farm woman. She was a, a farmer's wife. And so, so that talks to some of the farms that we used to have out in uh, eastern Long Island. Um, so that was fun to get in touch with a farmer's kind of sensibility. And um, and family was very pleased with that ceremony? Oh, very pleased with that ceremony. Uh, uh, in fact, the family wrote most of all of the words. 
So I, okay. I ended up being more of a uh, spokesperson, but we, they really, in terms of word for word approval, they really crafted the ceremony. So that's very interesting. So you can have that ability to work with families at the, the level that they require or are interested in, because not all families can pull together the words. Oh, yes. Well, the when I spoke about the gentleman who was kind of gruff, there was no way that they would have been able to pull the, get the words together. And they were so grateful to have found someone who could take from them what they knew of their father and give it back to them in a meaningful, sincere, and professional way. Okay. Okay. Have you ever, ever had a chance to balance your work with clergy? Yes, definitely. Another woman who I helped to solemnize, she was in her 90s, and she was born Catholic, and she had an interaction with a priest in her teens, and she decided she would never go back to a Catholic church again. And she lived a long and happy life. Uh, and, but when she was failing in her health, a priest was in last rites, and she was actually awake for that. And the priest had a quick wit just like she did, and they really bonded. So okay. it was decided by the family um, that she would have loved to have that priest say some words over her. So he was so he was invited in. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it, but another Episcopal priest. So we didn't go Catholic, but we did have an Episcopal priest to do okay. the graveside service. And that was the family's wish. And we worked together just it was seamless, really because the priest was happy that I was there to tell the life story. 90-plus years, there was a lot to tell. And then he was able to pay tribute to her and um, the kind of religious aspect that perhaps had been awakened to her for her during the last rites. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you were able to balance that with the family need and uh, stay true. Yes, definitely. The student's priorities. Yeah, and that was another another way that that was a very interesting ceremony was that the decedent's son had converted to Judaism. So there were also some Jewish rites that took place during the graveside um, tribute. Wonderful. That's amazing you were able to weave that all together. It was a beautiful thing. And, yeah, so the to watch the the son and his wife um, put that, those first um, shovels of dirt onto the casket yeah. was really meaningful for them. That is such a moving aspect of a, an end of life ceremony. Jeff. That is, yeah. It's just um, that real transition. Have you worked with other multi-faith uh, end of life ceremonies? Oh, sure. Um, uh, yeah. So, Sometimes it's not, we can't get to a place where the, where thing, where they'll have me into the pulpit and that's fine. I can understand that my certification is different from theirs, but we've always been to, been able to reach a place where I could speak about the decedent as a human being. And so that's, always rewarding and meaningful for the family and the loved ones. 
That's wonderful. And I, I and again, having your broad client base, I guess that's as well how they can have that comfort level bringing you into the fold to be able to help with those ceremonies. That sounds just fascinating, Kim. So you're you're enjoying doing all of your ceremonies in the New York area? Oh, I love my work. I feel that I'm able to make a meaningful contribution to people's lives and help them to make transitions that we're all faced with. And we know that words matter and that hearts matter. And by being able to share my loving heart and my professional approach to ceremonies, I'm able to help them tune into the healing that um, is theirs. And they must feel that sense of, of comfort and credibility with you, with you having that strong professional background before transitioning into your celebrant role. Yeah, people do tell me that they choose me because I am a non-practicing lawyer and they know that um, chances are and that they're pretty sure that I won't be flaky, that I'll treat it like a professional um, obligation, sure, but it's really a professional responsibility and it's a professional privilege. And so that gives them peace of mind that I'm able to show up for them in a way that is respectful of who they are, their time, their hearts, and their, and their beliefs. That is a beautiful choice of words, that it is a privilege to do this work. I, I really like that wording. Uh, Kim, I'd like to thank you for joining us and sharing your experiences as a life cycle celebrant. We really appreciate you being on Make Ceremony Matter More. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Cindy. And listeners, there is a link to Kim's websites and information regarding other work that she's doing on the webpage for this podcast. Please take a look at that when you get a chance. Thank you so very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.